It's sheer discipline. That's what I see coming out from the other side. It's just a consistent action to make sure that at the end of the day, when, when it's tax season, you are not gripping. You're not holding for dear life. You understand I'm good. I'm clear. That's a great feeling. If you're a real estate investor who's sick and tired of living deal to deal, then welcome home. Hear from everyday real estate investors just like you and discover how they've completely transformed their business by taking a profit first approach. This is the Profit First for REI podcast, where we believe revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. It's time to start making profit a habit in your business. So here's your host, David Richter. We have David Pupo today on the Profit First for REI podcast, and he is going to tell about his Profit First journey, where he was, and what even prompted him to, which I think is going to resonate with a lot of people, of why someone even wanted to look into their finances and keep more money in the real estate world, and then how he's helping people today. So I know this one can be a really good one for you, and taking some life lessons away from here. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Profit First RI podcast. I appreciate you tremendously. Share this with someone else as well, too. We just want to give people hope and listen to David and his story. Here we are on the Profit First RI podcast. I have David Pubo here. I'm super excited to have him here because he's a Profit First believer. He's also spreading the word as well, too, to other people like with his training and what he does with people in the real estate space. He's also a real estate investor, which makes him a great candidate for the Profit First RI podcast. David, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Dave. Hey, pleasure seeing you again, my man. And yeah, absolutely big advocate of what the gospel is that you are spreading across, my man. <laughs> yep. And he's at, we're actually sort of neighbors here in the Florida market, which I don't get to see him much because I've been all over the place the last year, but I have to link up more. So David, tell people about your real estate journey. Just give them a high level background and like how uh what your journey has been so they could get to know you a little bit before we dive into the profit first side of things absolutely yeah so i grew up in the south florida area uh just west of uh fort lauderdale uh and i was there uh, up until i came up to orlando to go to ucf go knights so that's where i majored in marketing and finance met my now lovely wife there we both Loved Orlando as, as a market, to be honest. Uh, we saw that there was a lot of value and growth being had here. So we both stayed here. Uh, and I was doing a corporate job for about a year and a half outside of college and just did not like it. Uh, I was, I was, it was a pretty cool gig from a per, other people's perspective, but it was something that gave me a lot of burnout and just wasn't that fulfilling. Right. So, so I had family that's always been in real estate. My mom owned a title company. My aunt was a real estate agent. We had family members that were mortgage loan brokers and officers. So I'd always been around real estate, but never was really that interested in it until I started learning about the investment world through really like bigger pockets mm -hmm. and podcasts and stuff like that. So I took that journey was just going to a lot of the local real estate meetings and I took the leap. Uh, that was back in 2016 and I did a little bit of retail. I was still working short sales and foreclosures, which is still a thing uh, a little bit more in this market. And then decided to open up my own uh, real estate shop from there. 
Very cool. So you said you went to school for marketing and finance. Those seem like two opposing ideals, or like on the on the, at least on the other ends of the spectrum for one of the yeah. Years. So yeah. what was the thought process there? Like, I want to learn marketing and I want to learn the numbers. Right, right. I think I've always had a, a, a knack for thinking more entrepreneurial, right? And I always understood that there's you got to understand how to get your business out there, but you also got to know how to run the business, right? Yeah. Uh, so that was that was also one of my mindsets with it at that time. wasn't too sure where that was leading. I was starting like uh, I was starting to uh, apply right outside of college to like your Morgan Stanley's, your alternative investment uh, broker, uh, like investment firms and stuff like that. So I always knew that there was something within sales and financials that was always very interesting to me. And then I found it with real estate, where it's now just a huge passion project of mine. So where did you get that mindset from? Was it from the family members that were in real estate or in business that you knew? Because like, a lot of people, especially we see a lot of people, just they definitely think the marketing and sales side, but not a lot of the numbers or the finance or the other side of the business. So what gave you that edge of thinking like that, you know, going into it? Uh, honestly, it, 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 I wouldn't really say it gave me that much more advantage, uh, to be honest. I, I, I tell a lot of people if I found real estate prior to college, I, I probably wouldn't have done a whole bunch with college, uh, to be okay. honest. You know, that was, you know, I, I think that college serves a great amount for what it can provide students, uh, especially if you're, you know, anywhere from like a CPA to doctor, attorney, all that, where you need certain designations. But I think if I found this prior to uh, college, I, I don't think it would have really served that much. <laughs> nice. That's great. So, but at least you were thinking they needed both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, so when you went to college, it was basically the, they taught you the mechanics of some of those things probably, but not how to actually apply them and how to make either make money or keep that money is probably not yeah. the focus of, uh, of a lot of those courses, which is great. Cause it's like, yeah. what are we doing? Okay. It's so insane then, yeah. that you can read a book like Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad, right. poor dad, yeah. and get more from that than I could in a lot of different financial situations with like corporate financing and stuff like that. Something I never wanted to really do, but hey, you live and learn, right? Right. Yeah. No kidding. So, the, okay. So that's where getting into real estate and 2016 and how has that journey been? How has your journey been in the real estate world with the shorts and with your business and getting it up and running with a, I'm sure there's been ups and downs over the years, but how's the, how's the journey been in the real estate side? It's it's been exactly what you just mentioned, peaks and valleys, right? A um, lot of knowledge, a lot of great networking, a lot of implementation, a lot of shiny object syndrome. I'd say that that's probably one of my biggest things. Uh, I was actually having a really good conversation with somebody about this yesterday, uh, and then I actually heard Pace Morby mention this too, like a couple of weeks ago. So it's been brought up a couple of times that with real estate, there's so many ways to actually be very successful that sometimes it can actually be a distraction, right? So being able to first start off with doing this with like a brokerage, then I started doing luxury retail. And then I realized I didn't want to do luxury retail, right? So then I became my own solo entrepreneur. I started my own wholesaling business, brought on a partner. Partner wasn't nearly as invested with it than I was. And when he left, he put a fair amount of debt on my name that I had to then be able to overcome. And then I restructured the entire company and now been able to scale it and systemize it even better. 
Oh, wow. Well, that's awesome. Because that's it's a lot of people's journey that's those ups and downs. It's going through the different things to get you to where eventually you want to be. And then you're starting to help other people and you know on their real estate journey. So I love that. So then, uh, okay. So then journey started in 2016 in the real estate world. Mm-hmm. When did you get introduced to profit first in that mentality? I say that happened the third year of real estate, but second year of me being like in, in the real estate investment world. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because, because that's when I was starting to actually make pretty good money and tax tax situations or tax season came around and I wasn't, wasn't smart about it. Uh, I, I was, you know, this was one of the very first really big introductions to it is just being able to make sure that you put all your money uh, into those separate buckets Every time you get a single dollar of, of income, right? And from there, I learned that valuable lesson pretty quickly. So is that where you had some uh, some good profit years, and then just the taxes came up and bit you in the butt the next year, or like was that the, or was it something else, or like you know just something that came out of left field? No, no, that was that was uh, that was just. Starting to feel that kind of success and not being smart yeah. about it. Okay. Well, then, did you hear about Private First from like a mastermind group or something like that? And then, you know, read the book or listened to a podcast or like what got you hooked on Profit First? Yeah. Yeah. That it was, it was something recommended to me actually uh, from somebody at the local uh, real estate, uh, like oh, cool. uh, the local RIA. Uh, somebody recommended that to me because I would just tell them, like, holy crap, I just had to spend X amount for my taxes. I was not expecting that, right? And then, and then I mentioned, you know, hey, have you ever read uh, Profit First? I was like, what is Profit First, right? And so now we've been able to not only put that into practice. And by the way, it's it's a discipline just like anything else, right? right. Um, yeah. what, we, what we started realizing is that, yeah, you can be able to, break down the percentages, but if you're letting your expenses go up too high, you got to learn how to clean slate or bring in more income, right? right? We've also implemented it into the rental properties too. And that's been also a really great, great value add too for the rental properties. Awesome. So then on both sides of the business, what do you see as the you know, as that value, is it being able to see clearer or like actually having cash there? Like just tell about the actual journey of starting to implement and seeing what is comes out on the other side. It's, it's sheer discipline. That's what I see coming out from the other side. It's just a consistent action to make sure that at the end of the day, when, when it's tax season, you are not gripping, you're not holding for dear life. You understand I'm good. I'm cleared. That's a great feeling. Right. And to be able to also understand as you're scaling up your operation, right? Within your within your book, I think you do a great job of showing investment companies like from zero to 250, from 250 to 500, 500 to 750, and then like from that, like a million plus. I think you do a fantastic job of showing the different allocation breakdowns. And I still follow it to this day on when I was at from that under 250 to now being over the 500 mark. Have I have I been able to scale it and then appropriating the, the the target allocation percentages better? Awesome. So that's on the back end. So what about the front end? Before you were implementing and when you had that tax bill and stuff, did you ever think about throwing in the towel in the real estate world? Did it ever get that low? 
No, I wouldn't say that it ever got that low, but it was one of those things that like you touch the you touch the hot stove, you're going to make sure you don't touch that uh, hot stove again. Okay. So that got bad enough to where it was a hot stove, but it wasn't like, okay, this burned my hand off. I maybe I need to do something else. Right, so, right, okay. right. Okay, so then you found it your second ish third year in business so then how long have you been running on the system since 2018 so since 2018 what, what yeah are we in now we're 2023 right wow. yeah so yeah. Good we've been able to do it pretty well now um i would even say heck in 2021 is the year where i wasn't following it that well and i had to restructure okay. it in, in early 2022 and now it's something that i make sure every single two weeks when i'm talking with my cpa or meeting with my cpa they they sometimes get a little annoyed by the by it, and I know that you talk about that in the book, right? Finding CPAs that understand it, right? And I always right. tell them, listen, it's not going away, so just learn how to cope with it. And I gave them a copy of the book. <laughs> That's great. Did they read it? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The so it's a it's a father son CPA firm. Uh, the son is the one I primarily deal with, and yeah, he he totally got it really quickly. Uh, so it, it, it's worked out pretty well since then. Okay, so 2018 to 2021, you know, you had implemented it, but then maybe gotten away from it. Was mm-hmm. What was it? Was it the deal flow? Was it you were the one person in the business? Was it like, what was the distraction that got you away from the discipline of consistently following it? Yeah, hiring on more employees. Uh, we went to a W-2 model. Uh, so that was, I think we didn't realize what the ramifications would be on bringing on so many W-2s in such a short time. Uh, we started ramping up our marketing exponentially, right? So we were targeting pretty much between twelve to like fifteen thousand a month. We were now ramping up to like twenty-five to thirty-five a month. And when we were doing that, sometimes, uh, especially with going into separate markets, because we don't only invest here in Florida, we're also like mostly Southeast Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, all the other southeastern states. Uh, we started realizing, too, that there's a, a learning curve into those separate markets, right? So maybe it wasn't hitting immediately because we had all our resources here in Florida, that there was some learning curve that had to happen in the other states, too. Okay, that makes sense. So then, I guess during this whole process, did you, I, even before that, at any point in your business career, have you lived deal to deal or you know paycheck to paycheck, not paid yourself what you needed from the business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, heck, I would say that for, for a good amount of like 20, like uh, the first quarter, maybe even two quarters of 2022, because uh, as I told you, the, the partner that I had in the, in the company put on debt that could buy a really nice car. Let's just put it that way. Right. And uh, so I had to make sure that those obligations were being met. Luckily enough, I've been able to have passive income. And also I was starting to get my deal flow back in really quickly to be able to cover that but yeah i mean if i wasn't being able to die like if i had it all in one bucket i honestly think i'd probably have been belly up okay so explain that a little bit what is it because of the clarity then or because you had money in other places or like what if you you know if you'd had that money in one account why would you have gone belly up because i wouldn't have had discipline very quickly to assess something okay so you're able to assess and say whether this was the way to go or not. Okay, cool. Because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people fall off the fall off the track. They yeah. have all the money going in and out, and they have no idea what's going on. So, right. sounds like it's helped you during some good times and some tougher times as well, too. What from what I'm hearing. Hmm. 
Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And it, like I said, that's why I called it a discipline earlier. It's you got to make sure that you're just staying on top of it. It's a great system, but just like any other system, you got to make sure you're on top of it and tuning it up. Yeah, no, I, I love it. So then now you're even, you said even before we had recorded that you're sharing this with other people as well, too, and getting that out there, you know, like, cause you teach as well. You have students yeah. in the real estate investing world at this point, too, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So what do you, what is your niche there teaching? Like how to secure the deal or is it the short sales or like what is the, the focus of helping people on the real estate side? Yeah, what we're being able to do is I'm, I first and foremost, I teach the profit first stuff within the first two weeks. I want awesome. them uh, like I leave it as a homework assignment and I go, hey, here's what you got to go do. And I give them the, the resources that you provide in the book uh, to be able to go go to these banks that are very friendly these are the target allocation percentages. Make sure you're breaking it down into five different accounts. This is your homework. Awesome. You're, we're not going. We're not going forward until the, until that is happening. Because I think what we have to do is that we have to implement a mentality there. Right? It, it's it's a lot easier to do it in the beginning, let that seed grow, as opposed to learning it when you have to already pay those taxes and you haven't been disciplined enough yet. Right. That's what happened to me. So if I can, if I can help out people not learn that terrible mistake in itself, my coaching course pays for itself just through your teachings. Right. Because now I can at least help these people navigate those tough waters. So we do that. And then what we teach is it's been able to go into from like real estate wholesaling and then it's called our triple offer pr- approach where we're being able to come up with, of course, as it sounds, three different offers for sellers to help increase the deals and then also be able to get some of these newer real estate investors, get them seller financing deals. And that is a very critical thing that's been turned around here from 2022 into 2023. No, that's very cool. I like having... The different, <clears throat> the different exit strategies and the different offers to be able to, to give to people because if it's the, <laughs> if you've just got the hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So exactly. Good. I, I like that a lot. Okay, so then you've gone on a, a pretty awesome journey from 2016 doing the deals and being able to then also teach other people now what in the real estate world. So what's the what does 2023 look like for you then? Like where are you wanting to go with your real estate company and with you know, helping people as well. Yeah, there's three big goals that I have for this year. Num- number one, first and foremost, the can continually continuously run a lean, efficient real estate wholesaling company. That's still priority number one. That was what I learned number uh, last year. And, and I'll tell you what, another another great example is when this market turned around uh, last year, Dave, I'm sure you started getting an uptick in calls between July to about September is when, you know, the, the interest rates are now hitting 7% and up and right, yeah. a lot of deals fell through. And I'll tell you what, it's because I had things lean, efficient and categorized. I was I felt it. Don't get me wrong. Like we had nine cancel, canceled contracts between August and the beginning of September. Right. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Nine. That was, you know, that you're, you're feeling that that can change an entire quarter for many people, heck year for some people. Right. And because of being able to have such a lean, efficient uh, operation, you know, it takes about 30 days to get that recovery. You lose nine contracts, you lose 90 days of, you use about 30 days of closings. Right. Right. So luckily enough, we could, we could weather that storm 
and be able to do really well with it. So we're going to continue growing that operation. We're going to be targeting anywhere between a net profit of 35 to 40% on it. So that's going to be a really big one that we do going forward, right? Number two is going to be able to scale up my real estate portfolio. Um, We are now targeting multifamily. So I'd like to be able to get to 100 units this year, whether that is acquired, whether that is, you know, whatever that might look like. I've been able to start surrounding myself with pretty smart people, right? One of the things I wasn't too strong on was being able to have the operation side. So I've been able to link up with somebody that's been able to help out with understanding the the turnover, the efficiencies, and being able to make sure that you have really great property management. Uh, and then the third one is helping people out, man. Uh, the coaching programs, it's, it's something I always have a lot of passion for. I was a board director for a nonprofit real estate investment um, uh, meetup around here. I love being able to get back. And uh, now I think I can be able to su- successfully teach people how to get that kind of success. Yeah, that's very cool. like that a lot, giving back to other people. I like those goals for 2023. So a few final questions here. What's the hardest lesson you've ever learned in your real estate investing career? So I learned this one from a, a great coach of mine. His name's Tom Kroll. And that one happened early 2022 with uh, with the, the separation of my company, right? Uh, yeah. it, it is... The lesson really is... You don't need a partner for everything that you might think. You can delegate and hire out a lot of those responsibilities. Um, And we were able to do that. I thought I needed an integrator to my visionary. So for people who don't understand that, it's kind of like the CEO of a company and the COO of the company, right? So I always thought I needed a COO to be able to run like a really big wholesaling company. And I've I've come to realize that, I mean, while I know that there's a lot of benefits to having that COO, I have also been able to realize I can delegate and hire out a lot of what that responsibility was. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I'm sure that was a a lot of lessons learned around all of that. So that's that's really good because a lot of people think, oh, I've I've got to get that operations person first. And it's like, well, let's see. Have we exhausted all of our other options first? So it's really good. I like it. So then if someone were looking to adapt profit first, what advice would you give them? Uh, Pick up your book. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Pick up the book. Uh, yeah. Pick up the book and just learn. Uh, keep a very open mind. Well, I think what you are able to do with the book itself is really just make it very elementary. It's very action and step oriented. Right. Uh, to the point where I can I can show people that I'm bringing on as coaching clients in the first two weeks of, of the program. Yeah. So I think it's really just be able to stay open minded, read the book and then take the action and implement the steps. Awesome. No, I love that. That's good stuff. So then heard a lot of good stuff on here today. And if you, since you gave a lot of gold nuggets and you helped a lot of people, I think gave a pipe, you know, people hope here just on like the system and like <laughs> saving yourself from the tax burdens or the ta- you know, yeah, the tax headaches every year. Then uh, how do people get a hold of you or how would they give value back to you, you know, either with the coaching or following you or whatever it might be that you want to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, 
I, I think it's very important that everybody understands that the entrepreneurial lifestyle is not a straight line. It is not going to just stay like this the entire time go up. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys. Uh, and having people in your corner at those times is very critical. Um, there's been great coaches and mentors for me in the times I needed them the most. And uh, I am forever indebted to a lot of other people. And I think it's the entrepreneur's responsibility to pay that forward to other people so you don't have to see them go through it as well. Uh, it almost becomes like a I know that you're you, you have uh, you have a, a child that's what four years old now, right? Six. She's six. Oh, my gosh. That was the last time we started talking about it. Right. So so it's you don't want to see them go through pain. Right. So you want to see how you can help them out. Right. So that's that's how I've been able to approach this. I want to make sure that anybody that we bring on, you get 10x value. And heck, if I could just save you the tax burdens through through your through your book and through your knowledge, then I mean, heck, you're 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 spreading great word, man. That's why I called it the gospel earlier. Uh, for me, it's very simple. Um, I created the website. It's called TripleOffer.com. Uh, as you can imagine, David Pupo is not the most common name that you can hear on social media. So if you type in David Pupo, um, you'll be able to find me on Facebook. TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, and now we've been able to launch also a YouTube channel. So uh, we're certainly getting out there and making sure that people um, can get any kind of value that they can. Awesome. Tripleoffer.com and then look David up on social media everywhere else. You know, that's where you'll be able to find him. That's uh, that's good stuff. David, thanks for being here today. And if you're listening now and you listen to David's story and you're like, hey, I've got the tax headaches or I've got no idea where my money is going, you can head over to simplecfo.com to see if we're a good fit to help you implement profit first and make sure that you have that bridge between bookkeeper, CPA, and have someone that actually cares about you, the business owner, and strategize with you on your finances. Head over there. would love to help to see if we are the good ones or if we can bring you to someone else in our network if you just need someone else to take care of some of that but we want you to make sure that you're making a profit a habit in your business that it's not a one-time event that it's something that happens on every single deal that you close and then overall with your business every single week month and year so david thank you again for bringing a lot of value here today for sharing your story and then sharing what you do and just thank you for being a great guest on the show Hey, man, I appreciate you. Keep on doing the keep on bringing that gospel, man, and helping other people's lives. Uh, I know uh, I know how much you traveled last year, and I'm sure that you're going to have a very similar travel schedule this year, man. I think uh, you are bringing a lot of value to a lot of people. So, brother, really proud of you. Will do. Thank you. And thank you for listening. This episode of the Profit First for REI podcast is over, but there are plenty more where that came from. Are you ready to learn how David and his team can help implement the Profit First system in your business? Schedule a discovery call at simplecfo.com right now. We'll see you next time on the Profit First for REI podcast with David Richter.